Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Good morning, Bridgewater Church. It is exciting to be together this morning and to be able to share what God has been doing in our lives. We've been doing a deep dive into Acts chapter 3 and 4, and I don't know about you, but I am really catching a cool breath of fresh air from God over these last few weeks. And I was thinking about a time that I was in Colorado Springs with Uh, my wife Kay and our daughter Mary. And this was exciting to me because uh, Mary had never been to Colorado before and Kay and I had been several times. And so as we were driving through Colorado Springs, we looked over and there was a mountain uh, that had a pathway leading up to the crest. And it was small compared to all the other Rockies. It was right there in Colorado Springs. And uh, all of a sudden, Mary, uh, our, our incredible daughter, says, Dad, that's called Pulpit Rock. Oh, I said, we've got to stop. And then she said, let's climb. Let's climb to the top. So Kay and Mary and I got out, and we started to uh, do this incredible climb. It really wasn't a park. It wasn't marked with signs. It was just an adventure that we were having. And I've I've got some pictures here you'll see. That's the beautiful mountain across from Pulpit Rock right in the center. But uh, you can see where Kay was uh, getting ready to climb. And then Kay stopped to catch her breath. And Mary and I kept climbing. And that's that little dot of her in that picture where she sees us and she's waving. But if you look at this next picture, you'll see me at the top of Pulpit Rock. I literally had climbed all the way to the vista, and it was incredible. No, I didn't preach there. I should have. But I caught my breath, and in that moment, I realized that God had been in this adventure all along. I felt refreshed and revived, and I was ready to tackle the world. That's exactly what we've been talking about over these last few weeks. In fact, Leonard Ravenhill said this, in revival, God is not concerned about filling empty churches. He is concerned about filling empty hearts. Well, God wants us to be filled to overflowing. That's my prayer for you as we've been online together these last few weeks. Have you been ready to drink in the refreshing breath of God in this season that we've begun, especially as we are getting ready to launch into fall. Don't forget that our anchor verses are in Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 20. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. When we repent from our sins and turn, we do a 180 
and we walk in a new direction with the empowerment of Jesus, our Savior. If you've asked Jesus to be your Savior, you have his power and his refreshment ready to bring revival. That's why the word refreshment that we keep going back to every week simply means, but powerfully means, a season of cooling like a cold drink of water on a hot day or a recovery of breath that leads to revival. You see, it's like Ravenhill said, we, have, we, we need to have empty hearts so that God can fill our empty hearts with this power, this hope, and this joy of the refreshing revival that only Jesus Christ can give us. And that's, that's really what I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you week after week to just stop. Stop what you're doing. Cool off. Catch your breath. It isn't about trying to find more and more and more things to fill our calendars with. It's about realizing that God wants to do something fresh in us and through us. And today I'm excited as we continue our journey in Acts chapter 4. I'm excited because we're going to talk about the foundational catalyst for refreshment that we find in Jesus Christ and it's prayer. In fact, there are three choices that you and I have to make. It's not more things to do. It's just three choices that we can make right now in our lives to open our hearts for the revival, the refreshing wind of God that Jesus is preparing for us. And so we're going to dive back into this story once, one more time, and we're going to begin in Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 24. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now this prayer will continue, but I want to give you our first choice. Say it with me there at home or on the podcast, wherever you find yourself. Say these, these incredible words, it's a choice. Let God's faithfulness empower our prayers to God. Let God's faithfulness empower our prayers to God. Now, it seems a little redundant, doesn't it? But I want to explain that by telling you what had taken place after Peter and John were allowed to leave the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin was the ruling council of the Jews. Peter and John had been arrested, as we saw last week, and held over for a, I would call it more of an impromptu or mock trial. And they were questioned about how the beggar at the gate beautiful had been healed. How was he even healed? By what power do you do this? And Peter quickly clarified, it wasn't some random act of kindness. It was, in fact, the power of Jesus Christ that brought healing. It is in the name of Jesus that they were preaching and sharing the good news of the resurrection of the Messiah. Now, 
They were told before they left not to share, but Peter was bold. Inspired by the refreshing wind of the Holy Spirit, he said, we have to obey God. We're not going to just do what we're told to, to, to do if it goes against what God has called us to share. So we will go back out and we will continue preaching the gospel. They didn't know what to do with them because so many people were coming to believe in Jesus as their Savior. So they let them go. And that's where we pick back up today. Where would you have gone if you had been let go after such a trial? Knowing that you had escaped with your life. You'd been threatened and warned. Where would you go? Would you go into hiding? Would you try to get away from everybody? Would you say, it's too dangerous to be out on the streets? I know what we said to the Sanhedrin, but now, after all of this, we're feeling a little bit uh, uh, frightened. That's not at all what Peter and John did. Here's what Peter and John did. We're told that they literally returned to their own people. Specifically, it says in the Greek language, they returned to their own company. Can I put it in terms that we would understand? In other words, they went back to church. They, they just went back to church. Now, I gotta stop a minute. I gotta stop. I love my online family. But I am gonna say this to you. Reach out right now and tell Pastor Liz your name. If you're catching this after Sunday morning, just go ahead and go over to our Bridgewater Facebook page and tell us that you listen every week or most weeks. Maybe this was your first week. Let us know that you're there because let me say this. It would be easy for all of us, and I mean all of us including me, to have anonymity, being online, staying in our private space. That is not what God has called the church to do. Whether you're the online body of believers or whether it is the in-house body of believers, we need each other. Just say that with me. Come on. We need each other. None of us can afford to be separated when we need the, the unifying force that comes when we gather in the name of Jesus Christ. So Peter and John went back to church, and the reason that they did is because everyone was waiting. They were hold. can I do this? Can I say, they were holding their breath, waiting on the refreshing breath of the Holy Spirit. They wanted to breathe a sigh of relief. And all of a sudden, they walk in. And you know what they do? They do like any great, uh, of people of God, when God blesses with miraculous things, we, we've got to share the story. Yeah, it was, it was incredible that the beggar had been healed and they explained it. In fact, sometimes I wonder, did the beggar go with them back to church for the first time? Did the beggar actually say, I don't know where you guys are going, but wherever you're going, I'm going with you? I think that was a, a major possibility since he hung out with them out all throughout the trial. And so they, they gather and they share the miraculous things of God. And that's where we come to this moment. Our very first insight is, let God's faithfulness empower our prayers to God. Where has God been faithful to you? How has God been faithful to you? Th think about what happened. 
because of the faithfulness of God, the people, when they, they, they just sat in silence, soaking in every miraculous detail of the story that Peter and John were sharing. I mean, man, the man was healed. They stood before the whole Sanhedrin. The very people that had killed, ordered the killing of Jesus were there. They were let go. They were bold and said, we're going to keep sharing. Thousands of people were coming to know Jesus as their Savior. This had great spiritual momentum. And the people were listening. And then the minute that they were done, here's what the people did. We're told they, they elevated or lifted up the sound of their voices. But what I really want you to see is in the Greek language, it's saying that they were united as one voice. Has God been faithful to you? How has God been faithful? Regardless of the times you and I have not been faithful to God, has God been faithful to us through struggles and adversity when we've slipped back from God, when we've tried to go the other direction or hide from God? Where has God been faithful to us? And when we gather together online, when we gather together in the house, we need to share our praises with each other. It doesn't matter if they're said, if they're sung, if they're prayed, if they're written down in a chat room. We need to share our praises because God has been faithful and God's faithfulness fuels the energy of refreshment and power in our prayers in the present. That's why we should be excited to unite together because God is a faithful God. That's what the early church did. They brought their request before God. They never neglected praying that God's power would be given to transform their lives. But please, church, hear me on this. They didn't just get together with a prayer list of all the people that needed the divine touch of God. They did that. We see that over in James chapter 5 where it says, if, if any of you is in trouble, come to the elders and pray. That's beautiful, but I want you to grab this. I need us to wrap our minds around it. Often when the church was praying, most often, they were praying with one voice, rejoicing in praise, giving glory and honor to God, and asking him to prepare the way for refreshing revival. Life after life after life. Every revival we've ever experienced in the world has begun with prayer. And that prayer is based on the faithfulness of God before and how God wants to be faithful in the present. What are we praying for? Are we uniting together? Are you and I praying for greater things than just asking that our daily needs be met. Those are important. But are we praying that God's faithfulness will empower our prayers to God now? That leads to this next piece. Jim Cimbala beautifully said this. We must face the fact that for our churches and ministries to be all God wants them to be, they must, now this is his emphasis, be saturated with prayer. No new revelation or church growth technique will change the fact 
that spiritual power is always linked to communion with God. If you and I are prayerless, if our churches have no appetite for God's presence, we will never reach our full potential with him. Now before we move to this next passage of scripture, this last insight is, is essential. When Peter and, and John came back, the church lifted their voice, and as they prayed, they were confirming, now listen to this, they were confirming that God was going to do even greater things than he had already done. And that leads us to the next passage of Scripture. Look at Acts chapter 4, and let's tackle verses 25 through 30. Now this is the prayer they're praying. Remember, we're in this prayer. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Here's our next choice. Let God's plan empower our confidence in Jesus Christ. Let's just say it together. Let God's plan empower our confidence in Jesus Christ. I think this is incredibly interesting. And I, I actually need to, to tell you, I, I enjoyed studying this part because I love to see the thread of God's love and power from the Old Testament to the New Testament. I love that. A prophetic writing of David in Psalm chapter 2 was fulfilled in the very presence of the rulers and authorities in Jerusalem when Jesus was killed on the cross and then he was resurrected. And let me break something down for you. This is the reason that Peter and John and this gathered church is praying this prayer. Think about it like this. In Psalm 2, and again we see it here in Acts 4, it says those involved in Jesus' crucifixion were the nations. It refers to the Gentiles. The people who plot in vain were the people of Israel. The kings of the earth, that became King Herod. Because King Herod was actually, Luke's gospel is the only one that tells us that Pilate held Jesus over for Herod because of his place as king over that region. And then the rulers were the Romans, specifically Pontius Pilate. Now, I want you to, to just think about this. Psalm 2 was written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before. And yet, 
the early church realized that when God sent the Messiah, the fulfillment of Psalm 2 came about through the divine life of Jesus Christ. Now, let's go ahead and apply that to Peter and John. Didn't this happen to Peter and John? They were arrested. The Romans were watching. The, the Sanhedrin leaders were, were taking them to court. They wanted to know by what power that they were preaching and the man was healed. It all comes down to this phrase. We're also told in Psalm 2 and repeated here again, the people conspire in the New International Version. In some versions it says the people rage. It's the idea of a team of strong horses that can't wait to be let go to run in their power and trample all that is in front of them in order to get ahead. We live in a world that rages. We live in a world that rails, conspires. Can we just talk about the news? Man, this is what I've been reading in the news. How about you? I, and I'm not taking a stance, by the way. When I repeat this, I'm not taking a stance. I'm just telling you how the news is shaping what we're thinking and what we're reading about. Think about inflation. Think about high interest rates. Think about the, the uh, FBI warrant at former President Trump's home to take documents. Th think about how oftentimes the media tells us what they want us to hear and not what is specifically the truth. What about the primaries? What about people that are killed and how violence is, is out of control? Just go read. Those are the things that we see time and time and time again. Do you know what category they fit into? They fit into conspiracy. They fit into this category that the people rage. But don't miss what is in Psalm 2 and repeat it again here. God knew all of this would happen. God is sovereign. God is in full control. And knowing all of these things, Jesus still chose to die and be resurrected. We need to let God's plan empower our confidence in Jesus Christ. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 39, the Apostle Paul wrote this. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Our second choice is this. To cool off and breathe, we must let God's plan empower our confidence in Jesus Christ. I don't know what God's plan is specifically for your life, my life, or the life of Bridgewater Church. But I do know this, that God has a plan. It is easy to rail against the plan. It's, it's easy to get lost in the struggles that we all encounter in this life. But do you know what we see in the early church? They knew that there would be difficulties. They knew there would be pain and suffering. 
And yet, in this moment, they said, God has a plan. And not just in uh, the, the moment in the story in Acts, they went back all the way to God's sovereign plan in Psalm chapter 2. And they saw the thread of God's sovereignty and grace and love and refreshing power. And they were living in the moment that God had told them would come. The Messiah was alive. And you know what? Jesus wasn't just resurrected and alive then. Jesus is resurrected and alive right now. And God has a plan for our lives. That leads us to this last piece that we need to wrap our minds around. I want us to look at the very last verse, Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Here's our third choice. Let God's Spirit empower our boldness to share. Now, can I just, can I just break this down? I, I really have tried to get my mind in sync with the early church. And this is what I was, I was trying to do. I was trying to understand why didn't they pray and ask for safety? Why didn't they pray for a hedge of protection to be placed around them? Do you, do you see what they, what they did? They prayed for boldness or, or literally a confidence to be able to go out and share even more. The Sanhedrin had warned them. They told them what could happen. And if we read the New Testament, we realize it wasn't all fun and games. But you know what? They didn't pray just meet our needs, oh God. They prayed that God's Holy Spirit would empower boldness in them to go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle with that. Sometimes I get caught up in asking God to meet my needs, which he's willing to do as I lay them before him, but when was the last time we all united with one voice, elevated our voices to celebrate and ask God to do incredible and amazing things? And once they got done praying, we're told, the place was shaken. Where they were, it was shaken. Yeah, I thought about asking our, our tech to shake the video camera, but, you know, that, I, I, no, no, no silliness. What would happen right now is you and I are about to pray in a few minutes, God shakes us from the inside out. What if God literally, and this is what happened, God literally shook the building, the place that they were in, the Holy Spirit. God was saying, yes, I agree. I'm going to give you this kind of refreshing Holy Spirit power. You've stopped. You've cooled off. You're taking in the breath and the power of the Holy Spirit. I am going to launch you to begin this incredible revival of lives that are saved and restored. Wow. Can we pray that? Can we, can we believe that? And then I, I got to thinking. I thought, has it hasn't happened anywhere else? 
And I went back to a story I've heard off and on throughout my life. Asbury is a, a, a college university in Kentucky. And, and in uh, uh, 1967 through 68, a student named uh, Jean, uh, Jean Ann uh, Brabon, I'll get that, Brabon, she began just simply leading a prayer time with other college students. But then they decided to have a 30-day experiment. And what they decided was that six students would covet or agree, commit to pray together and to spend 30 minutes every day for 30 days in prayer and reading God's Word. At the end of that 30 days, they had been sharing with other students all that God was doing in their lives as they made this commitment. Well, soon, in the next 30 days, 36 students wanted to do it. And so they, they prayed for 30 days, and they spent 30 minutes in God's Word and in prayer each and every day. Well, it was so incredible what was taking place, they were asked to share in the, the, a chapel service there at Asbury. By now, it's January uh, the 2nd, 1970. And when they began to share, at the end, they challenged students for another 30-day great experiment. This time, 200 students said they would do it. But it didn't take 30 days for God to begin to work because it was just three days later when God began to work and revival broke out. I have a quote that was shared during that time about what God was doing, and I wanted to put this up on the screen so we could look at it together. It's exciting. Tuesday, February the 3rd, 1970, during the chapel service in Hughes Auditorium, the revival broke out. What began as a normal chapel service became a fire that spread across the nation, changing lives around the world. This divine moment did not come uh, about through human scheduling or preaching. Instead, it came as people opened themselves to the living God and they received forgiveness and cleansing, which God alone can give. The change wrought in them was and is too great to keep secret. It must be shared. Now, if you go and you begin studying more about this great revival that began at Asbury with a group of college students, if you begin to read about it, you'll see that they sent out teams to various churches. And in all those churches God was working, many of them experienced a revival in their own place as college students shared the love, the grace, and the power of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to think about this as we close. What are we letting God's Spirit empower us for? What, what are we really asking God to empower us for? To make us safe? That's, that's good. Is it to give us health? That's important. But are we asking God's Spirit to empower us to boldly share, not about an event, but to share Jesus Christ so that a revival could and will break out because we've stopped, we've breathed in the cool refreshment of God, and we've said, turn that, 
turn that refreshment into a revival power so that there is boldness that we can share and see the world change, to see our world change. And today, I, I want to start right now. The early church possessed an unflinching focus that God could bless. What about us? Are we ready to have the kind of focus that God can bless? And I don't want you to overlook this, and I, I don't want to be neglectful. They not only prayed that lives would be changed in the name of Jesus, but they prayed for more miracles of healing power. And that's what I want to do right now. I want us to do two things. First, I want us to embrace the prayer of the early church today as if it was happening right now. Wherever you find this message, right now is your holy ground. And I want to do I want to do this. I want to pray for you. And I know that you're not right here with me. I understand this, but I have a bottle of anointing oil in my hand. It smells beautiful. It's lavender. And the minute that I popped the top off of it, I could smell it. It's gorgeous and amazing. The very first part of this prayer that I want to pray, and I'm going to put this right here. And, and, and this isn't silly. This isn't something where it's odd. But if you need God to anoint you for healing, if you need God to uh, empower you with his spirit, I want you to just let me anoint you. You know it by faith. I can't see you, but by faith I know you're there. By faith you know I'm here, and where two or three are gathered in the name of Christ, there he is. So right now I'm, I'm going to anoint you for healing, but then I want to pray that we would be bold in sharing. Because the miracles God gives to us is to glorify Jesus. It's to empower us to share the gospel. And I need to know that you're going to do that. When I pray for you, as God brings healing, as God brings refreshing power, are you willing to go and share that with someone else and say, well, I, well my pastor was praying for me. He, he did an anointing by faith, a faith anointing, and it it. God is powerfully, it, it shook me. Are you willing to go share that? I want to pray this prayer for you right now. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God, right now, I've never done this before in my life. I've never anointed by faith those that I cannot see that only you know are there. But I'm praying for complete healing in their bodies. I'm praying for complete healing in their broken hearts and spirits. Holy Spirit, I'm asking for a refreshing wind of revival to blow through this camera all the way into their living rooms, into their cars, uh, on their computers and their laptops. God, may we truly see the power of God come through the phones, not because you're, you're some technological uh, idol that we worship, not at all. You're no idol, you are God, you're the living God, and you are present, and you are powerful. Bring refreshment and revival. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I am claiming these miracles that you are giving to us, God. And then, God, I pray for an anointing on us to share. I pray for an anointing on us to share the good news of Jesus. 
God, may we not keep this to ourselves. May we invite people to join us in our homes to watch online. May we decide that if you're uh, asking us to go and encourage someone that we would be willing to do it. God, maybe you're asking somebody that's watching to come in-house and be a part of what's going on in this place. It doesn't matter, God, but in the name of Jesus, we ask for an anointing to share. And may we see revival like never before, not, not to glorify us, but to glorify you, Jesus. And we ask this all in your name, amen. Now, there's one other thing. I'm gonna ask you, to reach out to Pastor Liz right now. And if you're catching this, this message, later on in the week, I want you to go to our Bridgewater Facebook page. But here's what I need everybody to do. Please do this for us, please. If you're listening to this message, if you're willing to take the 30-day great prayer experiment, starting Monday morning, for 30 days we're going to read the Word of God, 30 minutes, and pray if you're willing to do that, to ask God for revival in us and through us, I want you to say, Pastor Liz, tell her your name and say, I'm in. Pastor Liz, I'm all in. Pastor Liz, I'll do it. Let our online Pastor Liz know, and she's gonna respond to you. And if you do it on the Bridgewater page, throughout the week, we're gonna respond. And I wanna come back to you in just a few days and tell you that we've agreed together and God is about to do incredible and amazing things. I love you. And until I see you again, be excited, take heart, and let God transform you. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.